Welcome to the Gals Guide to the Galaxy podcast, where a group of gals gather for you one cool thing around our topic of the month. Is it ancient history? Is it breaking news? Is it safe for work? Well, that's up to each gal. All we know is that... Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Welcome back! I am Leah, and I am joined by Bonnie and Katie and Claire, and we are talking about our one cool scary gal as my camera goes out of focus and then maybe back to it. Yeah, there we go. Ah, scary, wasn't it? Uh, so, Bonnie has already talked about Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and Katie has already talked about the Blood Countess, and Claire has talked about Hilma of Clint. Dun, dun, dun. So before we dive back in, let's get to know something truly random and very ghoulish about our gal pals. So this awful question is, if you met a vampire, would you like let them bite you for eternal life or would you shove a stake in their heart? You choose your own adventure. <laughs> Vampires, yeah, your name, discuss. Well, if we're going by... I, by the true blood cannon, then right. yeah, I would let a vampire bite me because I got shit to do. <laughs> I would love some more time. Like you hear, like I, I don't know how much times I've heard of these, all these great women that do stuff and then they get like three, like, <laughs> like I got shit to do. Right, exactly. <laughs> you need the timeline. <laughs> so if we're doing the true blood thing and then I could drink the that that weird like their blood substitute whatever like okay. soda pop drink they have there. Oh. That they warm up to ninety eight point six degrees in the Ooh, microwave. Warm soda? Oh shit. No, I have to draw a line at warm soda. It's it's <laughs> like a it's a, a synthetic blood thing. So they can come out of the coffin. <laughs> I have yet to watch True Blood. Although the library does have uh, oh, yeah. comic book variations of True Blood at the library, so mm. I'll check oh, it it's out. good. It, it gets it gets a bit ridiculous because it's HBO. No. Like they got like, squeeze in it. Like if there hasn't been a sex scene, that last scene of the show is gonna like correct every but, four yeah. minutes. It, it gets it gets pretty <laughs> funny. It's not too serious. So yeah. is the synthetic blood like the? the vegan mm -hmm. burgers they have now like the incognito the impossible blood <laughs> yeah oh. it's like that oh goodness perfect so i i probably thought about this question more than i should because while it'd be great to like live for all eternity and you know drink the blood of my enemies and <laughs> i don't go out in the sun that much anyway i'm very pale <laughs> with this celtic heritage but Safe. The downside is, do I want to live forever and never eat Italian food again? Like, no more garlic bread. No more lasagna. Mm. So, mm. oh, True. I don't know. These like, I, if I'm going to, yeah, so eternal life and youth and power and turning into a bat or no more lasagna. Right. So, so you're going lasagna? I, don't know. Right I guess now? it depends on if I'll, <laughs> maybe. It, I guess it would depend on who the vampire is. Like if it's one of my friends, and you know, all my friends what are jumping off the Brad bridge. I'll give Pitt in to peer pressure. Louis from Interview with a Vampire. 
I, you know, I haven't seen that, so I don't have the reference. Ah, is that my Wait, homework? So he's hot. That's <laughs> a good. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yes. Like okay. the vampire show I've been watching is what they what we do in the shadows. Oh yes, I mean I, those guys. Yeah, okay. all of them. <laughs> no, it's a great show. Actually, that's a fantastic show. I love TV. It's, it's very funny. So I, I enjoy the the humor with that. But perfect. Yeah. No garlic. I don't know, Katie. What do you think? Katie, you love garlic. She made a good point. I do. I really, really do. And that is a valid point. Um, I was gonna straight off the bat say no. I would stick him through the heart. Same. Straight off the bat. You get like three oh, points for that. Right? So good. <laughs> no, I'm staking that bitch. <laughs> See? I want is that on my t-shirt. Is it the not living forever thing? Or is it the <laughs> you're not getting bit thing? Yeah, I don't want to live forever. I don't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are so inspiring. But I'm like, I feel like I already have done a lot. I feel really tired. <laughs> See? Well, I yes. figure my my loophole is if I want to live forever, I'll just make a painting and hide it in a closet and it'll age for me and I just stay ah. useful. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Or See? you can bathe in virgin blood. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need right. to get that count really blood countess handbook. <laughs> I mean, she didn't live forever. Or but did she? she? did die <laughs> after she stopped doing that. Right? So... Maybe the gig was up and that's why she died. <laughs> no, I'm actually what with Katie. You, I, I don't want to live forever. I really, I don't. I've seen, I read the book. It's sad. Like you can't die. Like you want a closure um, and you just, you can't. And you watch everybody else around you die and everybody makes stupid mistakes over and over and over again. Like they don't freaking learn. And yet you have to keep going. Uh, but it's hard well, because you could I get really... staked, I guess. No, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes you're out. I would probably, yeah, I would probably be like, "Can you please just stake me? Because I'm done. Because I'm just done." <laughs> um, so yeah, I would probably, I would probably stake that motherfucker. I'd be with Katie. <laughs> We'd be Buffy the Vampire Killers over here. <laughs> Mine has no segue whatsoever. <laughs> Speaking of staking somebody. Speaking of staking somebody. <laughs> My gal is not a vampire. <laughs> so that was just a fun question because, you know, vampires. Okay. So um, so I learned about this gal in like a book of uh, firsts. Okay. It was like women's firsts from around the world. And her story was just so crazy. And it was really, really short too, uh, that I have been meaning to dig more into this because I kind of find it like absolutely incredible of a tale. And it like, it can't be, just can't be. Also, I just found it terrifying as well. So my gal is during World War II. So, you know, already it's scary. Because, yeah, we're talking about Nazis. Um, she was a radio announcer who was quite popular. Her station apparently was picked up all around the world. And it just so happened that her station played the best uh, swing and jazz songs. So a lot of people wanted to listen to her particular station. Um, she was given the nickname Axis Sally. Have you girls ever heard of Axis Sally before? Dun, dun, dun. Little bit, little bit. Okay. All right. Well, 
this is actually one of her earlier broadcasts okay so i've actually got this glorious thing written down and this really kind of sets the tone of what a lot of her shows were so in between music it would be hello gang this is midge calling from the american expeditionary forces to the four corners of the world tonight with their little home sweet home program well kids you know i'd like to say for you to pack up all your troubles in an old kit bag but i know that little old kit bag is getting much too much to hold on to and to hold all those troubles you've got well i'm afraid that your gal will never surrender until you kids surrender so how about it because there's no getting the germans down you've got to have been trying for a long time now and you remember that you were told before you went to Africa that it would just be a walk away for you boys. Well, was it? Well, if us women had our way, there would be no wars anyhow. And I was just wondering if she isn't sort of running away with one of those four Fs back home. And just so well as you know that I do, those cases were reversed that you wouldn't be waiting for another year either, would you? Yeah. So Axis Sally obviously worked for the Nazis <laughs> and she broadcast directly to the Allied forces to create confusion and desertion. And she thought it was for art. Aha! <laughs> dun, dun, dun. so let's unpack this beautiful scary gal because uh, there's a lot more scary in here <laughs> uh, so the bulk of my research comes from this book by Richard Lucas oh I'm so bad at cameras there it is you would think I did this once Axis Sally the American voice of Nazi Germany it's an interesting book. I do have some issues with it, but at the same time, there's not many books actually written about her and it has a lot of transcripts and a lot of letters in it and a lot of court documents. So that was quite helpful to be able to unpack this gloriousness. So Axis Sally's real name was Mil Mildred Gillars, okay, Mildred. She was born in Maine in 1900. Her parents were married nine months before she was born. So I'll let you do that little pregnancy math there. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, her father was an alcoholic. He smoked opium and he was a wife beater. So uh, that was great. You know, trifecta. Uh, Mildred was seven years old when she and her mother left him. Okay. Uh, her mother, May, then married a dentist and had another kid with him. He did some kind of shady dentistry shit just to make money. Uh, he would do things that he really shouldn't do. And um, he would leave town really abruptly and then start up a new practice. So they moved around a lot. And then he started drinking and eventually the drinking killed him. So, you know, great start. Uh, Mildred started having an interest in theater, theater, uh, in high school. She went to Ohio Wesleyan University, but she didn't finish college because she thought she would have to choose career or marriage. And she mm. wanted to go to Broadway. Broadway is where she could make, quote, something worthwhile in American theater. Those are her words. <laughs> worthwhile. So she left school and went to New York. 
she did like okay but she struggled um there was a nice german restaurant that would help her out in between she was in between she was in shows so like they would say hey if you would type up these menus for us we'll give you some free food and the author thinks this is where she got her love of german people sure (laughs) okay (laughs) um she ends up moving to paris for six months to be an actress and a model but she comes back just before the stock market crash of 1929 so like yay Mm. but then also nay because she really struggled to like find work right so while she was in poverty uh, she then starts this tradition of following men around the world. <laughs> uh, she first starts this with a man who was a British consulate, and they moved to Algiers in 1932. So in Algiers, she did some modeling, and she did uh, English lessons to the students who were there. Um, while she was in Algiers with the guy, her mother said, meet me in Hamburg, Germany. I don't know why people like randomly have this. It was also 1934. Cause when you're talking about oh. Germany, it's important to have years, right? <laughs> so 1934, Hitler had been chancellor for about a year and a half. It wasn't fully weird, but it was getting there. Um, so mm-hmm. Mildred goes to visit her mother in Hamburg and while she's there, she visits Berlin. And she really, really likes it. She thinks it's just super cool and really, I don't want to use the word enlightened, but that's kind of the word she used, but like artistic. And right. So she really wanted to stay and not go back to Algiers. Um, she wanted to go back to school and study music. Um, she didn't have the money to go back to school. Her mother would not give her money to stay in Berlin and to go back to school. Um, so Mildred found a job doing translation work in film because she wanted to be an actress and wanted to be important. Um, so the films that would come in, um, she would do the German subtitles on them for the films. Um, and because she was watching so many films, and of course, networking like crazy, because my gal does love to network. Uh, she started writing reviews for Variety. Variety! Like the Hollywood paper. Yeah, okay. So um, that did end in 1938 when uh, the U.S. and Canada stopped taking anything from Germany because it was all Nazi propaganda. And the reviews that she wrote were all about how great this German film is, by the way. So it was all propaganda. So then enter Rice Radio, Rice Radio. Uh, They needed American accents for propaganda radio and Mildred auditioned. She said it was, quote, just one of those things. Oh, yes, I'm just... (laughs) just so busy doing you know auditions all the time right sure she said she didn't pay it too much mind but she got the job uh she started may 6th 1940 she did station identification and she introduced the records and then if they had like a musical act she would introduce the musical act she was then promoted to like shift announcer and then she was the host of a variety of radio programs musical variety shows and Oh, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, Overall, she was on air for her four and a half years. She clocked in 10,000 hours of broadcasting time. So she did a lot of radio. Um, Never before in her life, and I will spoil it, never again in her life will she be financially independent. 
these were the best years of her life. <laughs> and she's saying propaganda shit on the radio. Um, now, what she thought that she was doing was a performance, was a character. Uh, yeah. The soldiers called her the Berlin babe or the Berlin bitch, sometimes <laughs> in the same sense. <laughs> They're like, she just sounds so hot, but she says such terrible things. Or I don't care what she's saying, she sounds hot. You know what I mean? Like sometimes the soldiers were just, they, they were just listening for the music is what they supposedly sometimes say. Um, but she never thought of herself as a traitor. Uh, she didn't even think what she was doing is un-American. Uh, she was pretty clear in her personal letters on air uh, and in interviews. She did not like President Roosevelt, really didn't have kind words to say about him ever, and did not like Jewish people. Surprise, surprise that she didn't like Jewish people. Uh, she was definitely anti-Semitic, definitely. I'm not going to sugarcoat that one at all. Uh, so it seemed that she also disliked the Japanese because there was the day that the Pearl Harbor attack happened in the book. It says that Mildred came into work and quote, loudly denounced the Japanese and became hysterical to the point where they asked her to go home and to stay there. <laughs> so she didn't like a whole bunch of people. Now, around Pearl Harbor is when she says her American passport was stolen. I am skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> Very skeptical. Uh, but she was asked to sign a oath of allegiance to Germany, to the Reich, because it was Pearl Harbor and she was an American citizen. Um, she says she dropped off that letter of oath to Germany and then went back to work. The next day, Hitler declared war on the United States. Right. So, woo! So during her broadcasts, uh, the building across from her was bombed while she was doing a show. Um, another day, she had a, she had a two-bedroom apartment. She came home one day, it was suddenly a one-bedroom apartment <laughs> with like a skylight because <laughs> uh, air raid totally knocked out uh, most of the walls and made that uh, inhibitable. That's not the word. <laughs> <laughs> During most of the war, she had a boyfriend that she called the professor. Uh, so uh, everywhere she went, she's like, this is the professor. Uh, she really hoped to marry the professor so she would get German citizenship because the, she couldn't find her passport. So she couldn't apply for German citizenship. She didn't have her passport. I really don't think that's the case. So she had to marry somebody to get whatever. So uh, the problem is that the professor, I'm sure you guessed it, married and kids? Married and kids. Yeah, married and uh... kids. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. So, so, yeah, and the, the wife was pregnant with the newest, with the fourth, with the fourth baby on the way while they were, yeah, it was great. So, um, what, Nazis are bad people? <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> Claire. Yes, they are. Did you clarify this for me? <laughs> <laughs> and Americans who really want to play with Nazi people, also bad people, yes. Uh, yeah, now here's the thing that's interesting. So, she didn't have a passport, right? But the professor... 
got her an alien passport or got her some kind of passport because she wanted to do a traveling show and go to the different POW camps that the Germans had of allied uh, troops and interview them for on-air broadcast. So she would interview the GIs under false pretenses. She would wear a Red Cross pin where they would assume that she was with the Red Cross. She wasn't with the Red Cross. <laughs> she wouldn't say where she was from. These shows were supposed to air around Christmas time and Easter. And the idea was, oh, isn't it so sweet? These wonderful German people are relaying the words of our you know, husbands and brothers and uncles of the POWs to their family during the holidays. Isn't that nice? That was the idea. Uh, so in 1943, she visited Stalag 11B, which is not the movie, <laughs> but still Stalag. Was it Stalag 17? Stalag 13? It was one of those internment camps. Um, but at Stalag 11B, where she was there, she kept saying, we Americans? Um, and she wore that red cross pin again. She would interview the soldiers in a private room. So she would want to do these interviews. They would be lined up outside, that one by one, they would come into this private room. Uh, she would ask them a few questions. Of course, she would offer them an American cigarette because that was a big deal. She would offer them something to drink, usually like a 12-year-old cognac or something like that. And then she would pull a Sharon Stone and sit down and uncross her legs and not be wearing underwear. And then ask the boys questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> so some of the boys who had not seen action in quite some time would say whatevs just to stay in the room. <laughs> or they would eventually be like, wait a minute, I recognize this voice. You're the Berlin babe. You're the Berlin bitch. You know what I mean? That they would start to recognize her voice. So at Stolly Glevin, it's a series of them started recognizing who she was. And at that point, she had been reading medical reports on air with the addresses of the soldier's family and describing in detail how they died and how they suffered before they died. So the soldiers, when they recognized her voice, were livid and were no longer playing her game at all. To the point where they then offered her when she was leaving, uh, a carton full of American cigarettes that had horse manure inside. Mm. <laughs> a special little gift. Right. So, but yeah, she would even threaten them going, you know, I see everything and I know everything. So she would totally pull her power trips on them. But the war was coming to an end and she was starting to think about, oh my God, I'm going to have to answer for this. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to figure out what my stance on, on what I did during this wartime if I survived this. And she was pretty, pretty firm on she was an entertainer. What she was doing was entertaining. Uh, so when the, the Red Army Soviets broke into the German broadcasting house in the front door, she ran out the back. Uh, Mildred was on the run for 11 months she hid in cellars, she hid in shelters, she mixed in with the homeless as best she could to try to be invisible. Uh, she went by the name Barbara Mome, was her, 
like alias and i'm like you trying to be less american or more american like i don't whatever that was her idea um but eventually she was caught there was a tip that an american because she never lost her accent she was very proud that she never lost her accent um but that an american was asked to have some storage items like kept away for safekeeping and so when they went into that storeroom they found her passport yeah the one I didn't think was stolen that had her real name and then it also found documents that had her fake name on it and her current address and where she was yeah so what else they found all that stuff so on March 15th 1946 Mildred entered her apartment to find a German plainclothes detective pointing a gun at her and capturing her for German detention for 17 months so she was held without a formal charge and without being sent back to America for 17 months. I mean, I don't feel sorry for her, but that's what happened. Um, meanwhile, in that 17 months, her British friends who did the same thing on radio were being executed. Like, the Britons weren't playing for this. Like, you did this shit on radio, they killed you. <laughs> But Americans were being sent to about 25 years if they could be convicted. Um, there was another lady named Sally who was known as the Rome, or sorry, known as the Rome, Italy's Rome, Axis Sally. She was copying the show, but she denounced her American citizenship. So therefore, she couldn't be sent back to America and uh, for treason because she was no longer an American citizen. But uh, Mildred still was an American citizen, so they built a case against her. So after that 17 months, they brought her ass to Washington, D.C. to stand trial for treason. She thought the whole thing was a goddamn show. She wore a fur coat. <laughs> she thought the arresting officer that was sitting next to her on the plane was her personal assistant and kept asking her to get her shit that she needed to be comfortable. <laughs> so just because you're evil doesn't mean you're smart. Right, well, there's that. There's <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> definitely that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, she was told when she arrived in Washington, D.C. that her crimes carried a maximum sentence up till and including the death sentence. Uh, but she was quoted as saying, my conscience is clear. I don't have anything to hide. Everything I did, I did of my own free will. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the trial was four weeks. Uh, was four weeks. I almost did five. Sorry. It's like four, four weeks. Um, she did take the stand and she... <laughs> really focused on her relentless search for stable employment uh, because her mother left her in Germany. <laughs> Not true. None of that was true, by the way. But that was like her stance. My mother left me and I had to do what I had to do. And, <laughs> no. She, uh, in her mind, her radio work was so she could live and so she could survive. She had to say these terrible things. Uh, she also says, I was just clowning around and they know I was just clowning around. She said, I knew that the soldiers weren't taking it seriously. So that's what she was trying to kind of play at. But 
when they asked her about the medical reports that she read, she was naming names and telling elaborate details. And she said she was not clowning around then. So, yeah. <laughs> so in March of 1949, she was found guilty on one of eight counts of treason. Only one of them could they actually find her guilty on. And it was for a radio drama uh, that she was in called Vision of Invasion. She didn't write it. Uh, she didn't direct it. She didn't produce it or anything like that. She was just one of the actresses on this radio play, Vision of Invasion. And the story was about D-Day and having the reverse happen, having the Germans win D-Day and what terrible things that would mean for Americans. And it played out this scenario of Americans losing the war. And that's what actually got her uh, convicted of treason for performing in Visions of Invasion. Oh yeah, oh, it's absolutely, it's a horrible, horrible, horrible one. Uh, but yeah, for some reason that one went across the line. Um, because she did not marry a German, she still had American citizenship. She was sentenced to 10 to 30 years with a $10,000 fine. Okay. <laughs> um, she immediately applied for a, a appeal, but she was denied. Um, and so for 10 years, she went to prison. Now, this was the weird part of the story where it's kind of like, I want to know what happened because what I read next in all of the little things was that you know, she was a radio announcer. She said terrible things like put your guns down and all your girls are cheating on you and nobody really loves you and you're not going to win this war. Um, and then she was arrested for treason. And then she became either a nun or a music school teacher. And that was like all I knew about her. And I went, what? <laughs> I want to know what happened to her after all this. And so really quickly, what happened is she went to prison for 10 years uh, in West Virginia. She kept to herself most of the time. Um, she did not apply for parole when her parole came up in 10 years. She didn't see any hope in the outside world. She just kind of had given up in prison. She's like, I give up. It was the support of a Roman Catholic priest who had a church on the grounds in West Virginia who gave her, you know, a, a reason to live, I guess, if you want to say so, G believed in her, gave her a job, found her things to do. So at age 60, Mildred was uh, baptized as Roman Catholic. She got a job in a convent. She did not convert to become a nun, but she got a job in a convent and she did start teaching music to girls in the convent school. So part of those elements are true. Uh, so Sister Mary Assumpta took care of Mildred, and she said of the Covenant's decision to take her on, Axis Sally, the treasonous one, she said, quote, we decided to take Miss Gillers because we felt it was a Christ-like thing to do. I mean, really, what else are you going to say? <laughs> so, sure, but... Mildred went from this gal who really needed attention, like she needed attention so bad. Um, she wanted spotlight, she wanted fame, she wanted independence, she wanted to be seen. Uh, and she slowly changed into somebody who did not want to be seen. 
Like the last, the once she turned 60, well, actually before she turned 60, once she was arrested, she became this different person who did not want to be seen. Um, she did not want to be in the limelight. When the press would find her, or even a parent, when a parent would discover who she was, <laughs> um, she wouldn't hide it. She, you know, she wouldn't go all at pupil on it, sorry, but she wouldn't like hide it or anything. Um, but she just said, you know, hey, it was, it, it was terrible and that was the past. And people would ask her about the Vietnam War. Like a press came and said, what do you thought, think about the Vietnam War? And she's like, I should not be the person talking about any war. <laughs> she understood it was not her place to say. Um, what's really hard is that they would always ask her about the Holocaust and about the millions of Jews who died. And she would say she didn't know it was happening. Right. That's the difficult bit. Uh, it's really complicated. I don't buy it. How can you not know? Um, it could be willful ignorance, you know, like erase, erase, ignore, ignore. Um, it could be the propaganda was so thick in that insulated world, because they were the propaganda machine, that they just told them, no, it's fine, because they needed to believe it was fine. But I still don't buy it. Like, I still, that she didn't know. Or, I mean, she knows now. She knew then when they were talking to her. Um, so people have many, very many doubts about that. But Mildred totally kept her thoughts to herself uh, about the millions of Jews who lost their lives in concentration camps. It was clear she was anti-Semitic at the time she did the show, so. Uh, but Mildred was released from parole in 1979. This is not that long ago, 1979. But in 1988, she was diagnosed with metastatic colon cancer and she died a few months later. Her burial was a charity case. She was buried without a marker and without a number in a pauper's grave. She did not want to be seen. She did not want to be known. She did not want to be found. She left nothing back. And it was hard because I was reading the story and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> now I actually kind of felt for her at the very end of it. But at the same time, girl did some shit. What do you guys think of Axis Sally? <laughs> really <laughs> wild. I'll there for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how Claire's just like, no, no. <laughs> how come all your ladies have Nazi connections? No, no, I don't want them to. Like, I'm almost tired of knowing too much about Nazis. <laughs> I don't go into it with that. And honestly, with X and Sally, I was just like going, wait a minute. How does a radio host get filed for treason and then how does you know like there were so many parts of it that I didn't understand how that connected <laughs> and then what kind of a person would do that so yeah yeah <laughs> I have like that's the charge that they got her on for basically being like an act like yeah she was like an actress on a thing and that's what gets her treated I know I don't get and, that either the country of freedom of speech like that seems like that's weird. That is weird. Because I would think it would have been uh, the medical shows where she was giving private information. And um, yeah, I mean, I, it's gotta, I, I would have thought it would have been something else. But they had eight different counts that they tried to get her on. And it was about witnesses seeing her do it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I thought it was weird too. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm glad she was arrested for treason because what she did was horrible. Mm-hmm. So at least it was something. But it was weird the count that it was under. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Have you guys ever heard of like Tokyo Rose or Axis Sally or any of these? I hadn't heard like much about her, but it kind of reminded me of at that same time in Germany, they, they of course didn't like swing music and jazz because of, you know, the non-Aryan people producing it. And I remember hearing that they would rewrite the lyrics to be incredibly anti-Semitic and racist. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you came across if that was like the music that they would play in her show or if that was what they would just play for the German troops. They would play different things for the German troops, but the Mm -hmm. reason why they would play the most popular um, American music was to get the American soldiers to tune in. And it was the same thing because they had the Europe, um, the Europe zone, they called it, and they had the America zone. And so the British zone would have British accents and it would play very British, proud, popular music so that those soldiers would tune in for the music and then just happened to hear some propaganda shit. <laughs> oh gosh, isn't there something like that happening now? I think it's in Kansas where there's like a radio station that's owned by a Russian propaganda. Oh, I really? This shit happens again. <laughs> it's happening now in right? our country. Yeah, I so I, I, it's called Fox News. Oh, there you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You put the really pretty, you know, announcers, you know, the the anchors and things like that. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm just watching the pretty people. I was sitting there, (laughs) yeah, wondering if if some of these these people eventually, like, you know, your Rush Limbaugh and stuff are going to have that kind of defensive. Oh, it was just entertainment. Mm, Is it like when strangers on the internet send you horrible messages and they're like oh i was just joking uh-huh. <laughs> right like, uh, <laughs> no if only that could be sentenced for treason <laughs> oh, against goodness. myself <laughs> right exactly it's very easy to be like oh no i was just joking mm-hmm. whatever i mean it's not like we have a political leader who says horrible things like no no you took it out of context or Right. I was joking. Well, what I, my impression was bad. I was actually coherent instead of complete sense. Um, sorry. She was a tough. Yeah, but that denial, I was just entertaining. I was kidding. <laughs> but at least I got to the bottom of the whole, she was a nun turned music teacher and we were all kind of cool with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was a teacher, I had to go through a lot of background checks <laughs> Well, I mean, was it was public convent. school. It wasn't they private knew. school. So maybe that was the there difference. Yeah, it was the convent. And yeah, uh, they hired her no... from prison. So they knew the whole time. <laughs> she didn't there's go no anywhere history else. Only of, stayed there. You know, hiding bad people. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking of six Sister Act during that part. Ah. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> just waiting for Whoopi to come in. <laughs> She's definitely not a Whoopi culprit. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very weird. Good thing they did not make that into a movie. (laughs) I know. Oh, man. (laughs) They they might one day, though, because she is a very 
very complex character. Yeah. Oh gosh, what would you do if your children were taking music lessons and then you find out it was someone who was trying to be a Nazi in right. the past? I would have lots of like, how would you even react? Kids. Yeah, exactly. I mean, first I'd probably pull them out <laughs> of that school. Uh, and then I'd have some follow-up questions to my children of, so did she talk about Germany? <laughs> did she make you anything with any sauerkraut in it? Like, I just would have some questions. <laughs> yeah, it would be a, uh, a difficult, difficult situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kept thinking of the App Pupil movie with uh, with Ian McKellen in it, where he's an old Nazi officer and he finds a young student and then tries to turn that young student into <laughs> neo-Nazi. And I'm like, oh my God. No, she pretty much stayed to herself, did not want to talk about it, did not talk about it. And she didn't try to ignore it though. She did her time and it sucked. <laughs> But she did what she did, the choices she made. So yeah. Da, 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 da. But the, the book, I will say, the reason why I don't totally like the book is that uh, he writes it mostly about the men in her life and that the reason why she did everything was for the men in her life. But yet, like even the quotes that I read to you, she's taking responsibility for her own life. Mm -hmm. She was not blaming it on men. If anybody, she blamed it on her mother during the trial and that wasn't even true. <laughs> <laughs> so the one book that i could find on her life story i i it was the interpretation i was not digging i'm like she was not doing this for the men in her life she was doing this for power mm -hmm. and she wanted to perform and she did not care so moral ambiguity so stay in school kids and learn about moral ambiguity <laughs> and stop watching fox news that's what i'm gonna go with <laughs> <laughs> and apparently radio stations in kansas that are uh run by russian propaganda like, yeah radio sputnik yeah Ooh. please tell me it wasn't actually yeah, called radio sputnik of, because radio like if it was called that i'd be like you should have I... known better <laughs> now i have to i heard of something of like, like a russian like a tv station a while back or gotcha. something there was like russian tv that was coming over here where they had like like a fox news kind of channel ah. that people i think like on the west coast can pick up or there's something okay that alaska well, can pick but... up you know because it's just right over sorry that's a sarah palin well, joke. You, you can watch it at sarah palin's house oh <laughs> <Exactly>. gosh <laughs> streaming 24 7 at sarah palin's house <laughs> <laughs> That wraps it up for Scary Gals Month. So join us next Monday as we fire up typewriters and we put some pens to paper and we share our favorite author gals. Thanks for listening. For show notes, links, and images from this week's show, visit galsguide.org. Want exclusive stuff like deleted bits and major bloopers? Become a Gals Guide patron today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>